Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. All right, welcome back to the ABCs to live your dope life. I am honored to be sitting across from Trevor Yellick. Hello, hello. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. And this is your first podcast. It is my first podcast. Yeah, yeah. so exciting. Just a little bit nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll work through that. Yeah. Right. So the first question I love to ask is, what is in or on your heart today? Hmm. Today for me, it's um, connection again to family. Hmm. Um, family has been a big thing that's been coming up in uh, my work, mm -hmm. both in supporting other people and connecting to uh, ancestry and the blood and bones of you know, their lived experience in this moment. And, mm -hmm. and um, for me, the more I get into it with others, the more it prompts my own self-reflection and, yeah, connection to my own family. Yeah. Where is your family? Uh, well, my partner and her boys live here in Calgary. Okay. And then the rest of my family is kind of spread out in central Alberta and mm -hmm. Saskatchewan. Okay. Primarily. Yeah. Not too far. Not too far away. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm, I'm really fascinated to hear more about who you are and your whether you want to share your upbringing or what what drew you into the work that you're doing before we even dive into the just the juicy amazing work that you're doing let's give a little bit of context as to how you got to where you are today hmm. <clears throat> excuse me um been seeking i was seeking for like a long time quite a few years and uh you know whether or not it was because of my familial upbringing at some point in time probably around like 13 14 years old mm -hmm. i started um uh getting curious about taoism mm. and uh reading the kind of the source text for taoism Dao Tao Jing, and um i had earlier on in years um my family tried to take me to church a couple times and that didn't fare so well i kind of rejected the whole idea yeah. of a personified god mm -hmm. and that was still how i was interpreting the teachings um so when i found the Taoist teachings the um non-personalized way of the Tao and the, um, mm -hmm. the connectivity and the integrity of this life experience being its own intelligence mm -hmm. and got in a way really spoke to me and kind of opened up doorways is that in Calgary you were? Um, that was um, 
<clears throat> when I was about 14 years old, I was still living near Edmonton. I okay. grew up in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that, that got me going. And, but for a number of years, I was still kind of bent towards, um, very much more towards science and eventually got a degree in engineering, mm. was studying martial arts at the time and continued, continued to afterwards and was studying different like Buddhist and Taoist teachings through those practices as well and exploring. And at a certain point in time, I decided that I was going to uh, teach full time and kind of dove in more fully into the martial arts. And at that point in time, I'd already been doing some meditation and breathing practices through the martial arts and, mm. and um, decided to go to my first Vipassana retreat. Mm. And uh, that was a life changing experience for me. How old were you when you did that? Uh, at that point in time, I was 30. 30. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. So Vipassana, for, for people who don't know what that is, I think we have, I'm, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it actually on a couple episodes, but I haven't actually opened up into what Vipassana is. So do you want to describe mm. what that is for us? Uh, sure. And actually, as I say that, I'm like, was I 30 years old? Yeah. I'm trying to remember back. <laughs> Give or take 10 years. <laughs> no. Uh, it was around then. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Vipassana is, um, there's different traditions. Uh, the type that I went to and, and still prescribe to when I'm practicing is um, uh, uh, led by S.N. Goenka, who's no longer alive, but um, mm. the, the retreats are fashioned after his teachings. Mm -hmm. And um, it really, um, it's like, ten, well, it's 10 days in silence uh, where you get to investigate the nature of your attachments to sensation. Um, the various cravings and aversions and mm -hmm. learning how to sit um, both in observation of breath and the bodily sensation in what they would refer to as equanimity. Mm. So the capacity to um, calmly abide or calmly be present to what's transpiring without uh, rejecting or craving. Mm -hmm. um, under the premise that our psychology and our experience of the world, that the foundation of that is really sourced in our sensation. It's kind of our primary contact and then we make something out of it. We make sense of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I kind of see that as the route to dive back into and make contact with that if we're really going to clean out the uh, storage house, so to speak, as far as how I hold this reality to be and my beliefs around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Mm. Okay, so Vipassana for 10 days. <clears throat> was that a struggle for you, your first time going through that, or were you like, yes, these are my people? <laughs> um. Every time I've ever gone, I feel right at home. Mm -hmm. Like it's, like I could probably live my life like that. Yeah, in silence. Um, yeah. 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 It's a comfortable container for me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that hard things haven't come up in the midst of it, for sure. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, quite frankly, full disclosure, like and this, this ties into how I'm doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. Um, on the way to that Vipassana retreat, this is back in 2002 or three. Um, I had no thought in this way prior to this moment. Wasn't even considering it. Mm. Like these various teachings were of curiosity and I was exploring and, and whatnot over the years. And, but on the way to the retreat, it's like a switch flipped inside where it's like, I'm going to be the next Buddha. And it was like this whole like Messiah thing that set in. Mm. And, um, it's like, okay, that's a really curious thought to just come out of the blue. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. No, no apparent premeditation for that one. It just kind of like turned yeah. on. Yeah. And 
I got to the retreat and within three days of just breath observation, I ended up having this like, um, still to date, one of the uh, biggest quote unquote spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life. Mm. Um, and at that point in time, and I didn't realize how much it was ego speaking at that point in time, but at that point in time, it was like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically like verified. Proof. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was amazing because I essentially at that point in time, the cascade of how all of that transpired and, and what that was right, and leading up to it and, and what it was in that moment, I, I essentially wrote my own Bible or spiritual text mm. within my own system mm -hmm. and like this whole new direct understanding. And then I came back and I was moving into teaching yoga at that time as well. And, and um, it became <clears throat> a really strong foundation that I was teaching from, which ended up uh, working well in my favor of like getting into teaching and, and um, 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 yeah, just my communication with the students of what we were doing and with it and, it and the practices. Well it was people. landing well. It was yeah. like it was to some degree embodying part of it. Yeah. Um, and but I, at that point in time, I never really questioned how much my ego had grabbed onto that and was making of it. And and um, for the next few years, I basically was kind of working under this premise of like, I know something, mm -hmm. I got this. Right? And um, it, but at the same time, I'd run into like challenges every now and then, and and bumping up against walls, and that got me seeking a little bit more. And um, I ended up seeking out some other teachers, other guides in this territory, and, and they would kind of poke buttons and see things that I wasn't necessarily seeing. And mm -hmm. my illusion that I had uh, so quickly bought into started crumbling. And um, I actually spun into quite a dark night of the soul for quite a number of years. Yeah, okay. Um, probably about somewhere between seven to ten years, I was kind of in various stages of spinning out and, and questioning things really wow. deeply and mm. progressive waves of that. Mm -hmm. And um, now <clears throat> I started to realize that a lot of my earlier movement into this territory was really an attempt to build myself up, to become somebody, to be somebody, to have like this big mission or purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, the more I questioned what and who I am at a fundamental level, the more that all just was crashing down around me mm -hmm. and, uh, and inside of me. I'm leaving me really raw and bare and to the point where I um, <clears throat> was thinking about and made attempts to just take off and go sit in the proverbial cave and not come back mm. and uh, yeah, remove myself from ordinary life mm. in pursuit of this truth that I was so yearning for. Mm -hmm. And um, that went through a couple of different waves and eventually it transpired where I actually did leave for about a year and a half and said goodbye to everybody, including my family, and didn't know if I'd ever see them again. Mm. And um, uh, that was exactly what I needed. And it was like, I thought it was driving myself crazy at the same time because I was asking questions that I didn't know how to answer mm. and uh, really getting to know myself and how much, even though I'd pulled myself away um, in, in the name of truth and seeking like, eternality and, and my like, true essence mm -hmm. um, that coupled with that, if I could consider that kind of a straight shot towards absolute truth, what felt like it was coiled around it like a serpent right, or a snake was um, uh, self-hatred mm. and uh, shame and really the, the trauma side of it of removing myself from my family and 
from everybody around me and what I was doing. Mm. Um, was that part of like, I deserve <clears> this <throat> and I don't want to be a burden on the people around me? Could you say that again? I deserve this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the way that you described like the serpent around this, this purity of seeking truth, yet it was coupled with self-hatred and that, that darkness. So I'm just wondering if part of this retreating was this, like, I deserve to be alone and I don't want to be a burden on the people around me. Um, at that point in time, it never really came across as I don't want to be a burden on them as much as, like, I didn't belong. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was mm -hmm. more that side of it. Okay. And... Um, and and even through the year and a half that I was away, like those two elements remained in the sense that they like there was one part that was this like pure raw earnest curiosity mm -hmm. of like what and who I am at a fundamental level, and the other side of like the psychology behind it that was kind of prompting the the chaos and the isolation and mm -hmm. and um, the tearing apart of my own life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, before that time, and through a chunk of that time until I went completely away and was by myself, mm -hmm. I had, um, uh, just backing up and filling in these details because it'll be relevant to the later conversation, Yeah, I had uh, studied breathwork, was introduced to it by one of those people that was kind of poking button, okay. like, yeah. hey, what's in there, and uh, mm -hmm. was introduced to um, conscious connected breathwork. Okay. <clears throat> explored it and had an amazing effect mm. on my system and uh, continued to explore it and eventually started studying it with uh, Judith Kravitz with transformational breathing mm -hmm. um, down in the States and traveled a few times to go work with her directly and study how to work with it, how to use it. And <clears throat> at that point in time, I was exploring a lot of different uh, ceremonies as well, a lot of plant medicine ceremonies and other types of meditative meditation mm -hmm. and contemplative work that was really kind of unquote high power mm -hmm. um strong practices efficient. and experiences yeah <laughs> <laughs> efficient but sometimes hard on the nervous system yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> and um all of that was really beautiful and pressing the issue forward but ultimately like when i broke away and went off on my own it was this question of like as far as the the truth seeking part of like something that's absolutely the truth mm -hmm. i i hit a point where it was just like if it's absolutely the truth, it's what's the case right now? It's mm -hmm. just it's just the case, right? Nothing actually needs to be changed about this for it to be the case if it's actually absolutely true, mm -hmm. right? So that had me spinning around like with these different ceremonies and with the breath work and everything else I'm doing. It's like if it's absolutely true and it's already the case, then if I'm going through these practices, trying to alter my experiences, if my altered experience is going to actually end up being that truth, then I'm misleading myself. Mm. So, and so I'm essentially trying, attempting to recognize that which is already here. And it's like the most obvious thing that I'm overlooking it essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that essentially for me meant exiting and just sitting with that period without trying to you know, alter my state of consciousness right. anymore. Yeah. And yeah. laid that to the side for a little while. Mm. And um, once I was complete, like I went away for a year and a half, um, met a teacher in particular that was speaking my language. Because even at that point in time, 95% of the spiritual books that were out there, I'm just like, read for a sentence or two. And it's like, set to the side. It's like, that's not actually what I'm seeking. Mm. 
Like it's like they want me to alter my experience as if that's important. Mm. And that's not what I'm looking for right now. Yeah. Um, so I met somebody that was speaking the language that I was speaking at that time and, and had apparently finalized that. Yeah. And um, ended up going over to India and sitting with her for a little while. And um, that process of um, sitting with it with her support was enough to end that seeking. Mm. And then that kind of left me with the place of the, re the remainder of the psychology that was there all along. Right? And um, coming back home and reintegrating with the community, I, at that point in time, I was happy to just kind of, you know, be with my own internal experience and the, the residual belief systems and things that were with me. And at the same time, like I was like, am I going to go get a job at the grocery store? Am I, you know, maybe a little admin job someplace? Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And um, when I started actually like, just sitting down and like crunching numbers in a way that I never had before, coming back broke because I like I had nothing left after leaving and giving everything away and wow. taking off. Mm -hmm. um, I actually was like, if I'm going to theoretically like work for 20 more years and by the time I'm 65, not have to, if I didn't want to, you know, if I even had that luxury, like what would mm -hmm. it take? And I sat down with a financial advisor and the financial advisor is like, you'd have to make $120,000 a year for the next 20 years of your life to uh, hit that mark. And I'm like, fantastic. I've never done that before in my life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm starting from scratch. How the hell am I going to do that? Yeah. Um, so really, at that point in time, I was like, going to work at a grocery store or something probably wasn't actually going to <laughs> satiate that. So I'm like, yeah. what am I going to do? Mm. And because um, at that point in time, I was like breathwork and everything else that I've been doing, teaching yoga and all these other things, uh, there was no more importance to those practices for me. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, there was no more burning desire that I need to get them out because they were important for me and I need to share them with others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just kind of sitting in this open space and assessing basically my skill sets that I've cultivated over the years. And then lo and behold, like I've kind of worked myself into a little bit of a box where it's like over the past 15 years, this is what I've been practicing and doing pretty much all my time. Yeah. This is my skill set. So coming back into breathwork at that point in time was actually a functional choice mm. rather than something that I was passionate about that everybody needed to have. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, which, in a weird way, has actually been a big benefit because it's, aside from building the business, there's been pressure with regards to the business and the financial sides of things and building things back up, creating the, the quote-unquote product. Yeah. But, um, but in the midst of that, with, because it's not being experienced as like this thing that I'm passionate about that I'm trying to prove to others or make sure everybody else gets, it's like I've got a lot of space around it mm. where it's like it's just, it's here and it's like, like, I, I know it works. I know it's a good product, yeah. but I'm but I'm not invested in it in that yeah, way. So okay. it's like it's mm. given me a lot of yeah room to move and yep. breathe. Yeah, no, I can feel that from my experience in in your workshops and trainings. I yeah, there's so much spaciousness, and yeah. I don't feel any pressure or expectation or judgment. I'm I'm in awe of you and the other facilitators as to how much you give and how much you're willing to do and be for the people that you're holding space for. It's yeah. incredible to witness. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. At this point in time, I mean, I'm just I'm not there to prove anything to anybody. It's like, mm. yeah, it's just a, it's an offering that I happen to have, and 
and a lot of it feels like it came about in really um, haphazard ways and unexpected yeah. ways. And, you know, I never really expected to be teaching any of it in this kind of fashion. That was never my intention going into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's slowly come about no matter, like on its own, without mm-hmm. me forcing the issue. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Feeling, in that way, I'm feeling really blessed with it. Yeah. Well, and with where you are now, do you still feel that that pure seeking and the serpent around you, or is that is that gone? Do you feel like you're in a new state? You're showing up differently. Is that suffering or that struggle a part of who you are anymore? Uh, the the seeking in the sense of truth seeking has been gone ever since India. Okay. So it's been gone for not even five years now. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. One and a half, five years. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, layers of like trauma and shame, things that have been kind of residual in my nervous system and like old beliefs. Like I'm still kind of teasing that apart for sure. And yeah, re-engaging with family since coming back. Like that's, that stuff's all still there. Like you're human. I'm totally human. (laughs) (laughs) So it's navigating that. And um, yeah, and, and in a way, you know, navigating it, Navigating it in a way that I never did before, because before it was always layered with that existential angst in the midst of me and like mm-hmm. the deep rooted, like, who am I at a fundamental level? Mm-hmm. So that was like always kind of compounding the issue and kind of um, confusing them sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now that that's not part of the picture, I just get to deal with the, the blood and bones and the guts of the situation yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, you know, come back into relationship with each other, mm-hmm. with, with my family, and community. Well, I'm so glad that you came back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I first met you, I think it was two years ago, and I did my first workshop with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, through Inspired Yoga Institute. Yeah, yeah. So it was a weekend as part of this yoga teacher training that I was in. We got to come as a group to come experience this workshop, um, half day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And I, I was blown away by my experience. And so, not confused, but like, what the fuck just happened? Right. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. And it, um, so I, I just remember for that from for that first experience, it, um, just really becoming in touch with how much tension was actually in my body. And, um, you know, the, these breathwork sessions, like, without, I'm clearly not an expert yet. I will be. Uh, <laughs> I am taking the facilitator yeah. training with Trevor. So I'm. this is something that I'm so passionate about and have experienced some huge unravelings um, and insights and releases that would have taken a lot of ayahuasca <laughs> or years of therapy. And in just in a moment, you know, a one-hour breathwork experience, some priming before, debriefing after, just getting to know myself more intimately and continually letting go of this tension. Yeah. So in my, my first experience with you, I just remember overwhelmingly um, pain. Um, mm. So conscious connected breath work, uh, you can add in. I'm, I'm going to do my best to describe this. Yeah, okay. please do. <laughs> so this type of breathing is there's no pause at the top or the bottom of the breath. Um, uh, in the presence process that I'm reading right now, uh, I love the way he described it too, is the inhale is like the water shooting out of the fountain and the exhale is, well, gravity is just going to bring the water down. So you don't need to bring effort into the exhale, Yeah. but the inhale, take a little bit of effort for that. 
and I love the description you used of um, jellyfish moving. So feeling like the oscillation, the smooth sensation of your breath flowing. Mm-hmm. So the inhale, exhale, no pause, so that you're um, building up more presence. And uh, I don't know yet chemically what's happening in this process, why it induces like psychedelic states, mm-hmm. but it does. Right. Um, so I remember in the first weekend with you after it was really difficult. So this is actually a question I had for you because I know the way that you teach it, it's mouth open yep. in the presence process. It's mouth <clears throat> closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure it's just, you know, having more tools in your tool belt is great. It's not like this is the only way to breathe, right. but you've landed on this as this is the way that you choose to teach it. It's the way that we start, but we don't necessarily end there. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. you can do it through the nose. You can do it th- in through the nose, out through the mouth. There's, and you can even break the inhales into um, stuttered steps, almost like um, um, an in, in uh, yogic breathing, but done more in a circular breath type way. Yes, okay. Um, so there's, there's actually a wide variety of ways to approach yeah. it that are all powerful. Okay, I had a yeah. feeling that was going to be coming later on in the training, because I, yeah. I already intuitively, when I'm doing this practice now daily, <clears throat> I um I feel called to shift my breath, mm-hmm. and I'm just pra- like going with it, and then being like, oh, maybe I need to come back, and and kind of questioning my own intuition in it. Right. Um, but I do feel that call of like, there's a different style of breath that needs to come in here. Yeah. Um, but regardless, in these workshops and the trainings, um, at least level one, it's the open mouth, inhale, exhale, and at first, in my experience, laying on my back, it's really uncomfortable. It's hard to stay with it. My mouth gets really dry. Um, you know, just little, little disturbances that get in the way. And, and I don't know, timing, maybe 20 minutes in something happens (laughs) and sensation just starts to really build in the body. And I, I experience it first in my hands where I feel my arms and my fingertips are just like vibrating with energy and they lift, they lift up off the floor and I'm not lifting them. They just lift. And again, in that first experience, I, I developed a claw. And this is just one of the funny phrases you start learning and, and seeing in this training is this yeah. claw. Yeah. So my hands curl in like a claw. And uh, I remember the first time this happened, it startled me to the point where I actually was like, I think my fingers are going to break off. Yeah. Like that's how much tension it was. And it was so uncomfortable and um, really difficult for me, but just continuing to breathe and the way that you and the other facilitators walk around the room and create this safe space and come and you know look at the way people are breathing and are able to whisper things or, or touch them in, in ways to help them reconnect with their body so their whole body is breathing. And in my first weekend with you, um, what you whispered to me, I don't remember which day this was on, but you came and whispered to me, it is safe to birth in this world. Mm-hmm. And I re- my first reaction was like, what the fuck? Why <laughs> did you whisper that to me? <laughs> But within moments after that, I felt a floodgate open through my pelvis and sensation shot down my legs all the way to my feet and my whole body started vibrating. And it was a moment where I recognized, I don't think I've ever actually felt my lower body. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in this way, maybe ever, but yeah. I was so disconnected from my lower body. Yeah. And you know, unpacking and processing that later, it was this making the connection of, well, I, I suffered with an eating disorder for 20 plus years. I, like most people, dealt with sexual trauma, different points in my life. And I had a lot of shame and disconnection. And I didn't really understand how to be in relationship with my pelvis or my lower body. 
And and I also have been saying for years, I don't want to have children. Um, I'm very disconnected from the feminine nature within me, very masculine, very left-brained. I need to figure everything out. I need to have a process. I need to have science behind it, which is great. That's fine. But without that flow and the expansiveness of the feminine, like it was just so rigid, hence the tension in my yeah. body. Yeah, yeah. Right? So even that in itself opened me up to start becoming more curious about the feminine. Mm. And to, I still don't want to have children, but to be able to recognize like everyone I work with and everyone I connect with, I can be maternal in that way. And just seeing that there's other ways to step into this feminine. So after my first weekend with you, I, I was sold. I was like, this, this is my work. And I was very aware. I, I, need, I need time to process and, and kind of follow different rabbit holes to see where this takes me before I step back in. Because I want to step back in wholeheartedly and like really, really ready and more grounded. And so two years later, which was a couple weeks ago now three weeks ago something like that yeah not very long ago not very long ago i stepped back into level one and vastly different experience yeah yeah and cool to see how you've evolved in this as well yeah lots has changed in a couple of years yeah yeah so my in the first weekend with you we did um on day on saturday it was connecting with our block you know, so what, what blocks you? What, what do you really desire and what gets in the way? So kind of landing on those equal and opposites. Yeah. And, and then on Saturday, it was just be with your block all fucking day long. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and it was through different practices of dyads, which we'll get into in a little bit here, um, holding space for each other, just being in the conversation of your block. Mm-hmm. And so on Friday night, I landed on my block was judgment. And what I really want is compassion. Mm. So all day long, I was just sitting in judgment, talking about judgment, really getting to know the depths of what it feels like, what's happening in my body. When I'm with judgment, where does my mind go? What does it feel like? What, what other things just spiral from this? And by the end of that day, like, I just felt sick. Mm. I, and I had this true connection with how toxic judgment is, yeah. which was exactly what I needed. Right? And then so excited for Sunday morning to be like, hallelujah, I get to step into compassion today. Yeah. And and those two have been a huge part of, of my contemplation and my inquiry over the last two years, just getting to know this judgment and this compassion. And um, so I, I was really, I was pleased with the way that it was presented in level one a few weeks ago. Not that it was bad before. I obviously got a lot out of it. Um, just different. Um yeah. So, and I, I mentioned after, I think it was the Sunday experience, this past um, training, I said I could write a book about what just happened in that one breathwork experience. Mm-hmm. It was so rich. There was so much that, that happened. Um, yeah. I, you know, Friday night, it was just pure pleasure for me to be able to step in and be like, to recognize, oh, the tension is gone. And I actually know how to ride this wave now. Yeah. And I can be in it. And my hands lifted and the claw started. And I just was like, oh, here I am in the experience of the claw. Just breathing, being fascinated by it. And my hands just opened and they started dancing on their own. I had a voice come in that said, these are healing hands. I was able to put my fingers on my body and they felt like tuning forks. Like it was just pure pleasure. I was just like, this is the best. It was so enjoyable. And then on Saturday, mostly pleasure as well. Um, but then I did experience 
that was, this was the interesting part for me is that each breathwork experience, I would have one really amazing release or something, whatever you want to call it, something would happen. And then after I'd be like, oh, that was it. That must be it. And then within a few moments, be like, oh, here comes another wave. And it, it was just like this crazy journey over and over and over again. Um, but on Saturday, you know, and, and leaving out so, so much priming and, and practice and conversation leading into these breathwork experiences, but they're vital. Yeah. Right. So this is this is only scratching the surface of what's happening. Um, but in the second one, started with pure pleasure, just being like, this is the best. Right? Just enjoying my body, enjoying the moment, feeling the, the energy of all these beautiful people around me. And then I something struck me where I, my whole body started vibrating with cortisol. Mm. And this visual came in of um, being in my mom's uterus. Like it felt like I was a fetus again and just felt the fear and the tension and like my whole body just bathing in cortisol. Yeah. And, and it was a beautiful experience for me to be in it and also acknowledging how much love I have for my mom. Mm. And that it didn't turn into blame or like, I can't believe my mom did this to me. It was just like, wow, like what my mom must have been feeling yeah. at this point. It, it was just, it was beautiful and painful. It was everything. And again, it was just like, just ride it, be with it. Don't, don't avoid it. Don't fight it. Just be in this experience as it is. And so it could move to completion. And then I would feel this release and this bliss and then connected to the waves of the people around me again. Oh man, so good. And then on day three, this is when I had another what really surprised me was so in one of the exercises we were doing um, practice balls mm-hmm. um, and we had a lot of conversations on what it is it what is it to let go what is falling um, and so we were priming ourselves for this this falling supported fall exercise and my mind was like great no problem like I'm it's gonna be awesome I have no problem falling back into people's arms and then one of the other ladies in the, in the training ended up voicing well, what if I don't feel confident in supporting? And it just flipped the script for me of it's not about me falling anymore. The, the, just the something around support came up. And then I felt something came into me and I started shaking and tears started going down my face. And I was taken back to when I was four years old. My little brother was born on my fourth birthday. And while I, I loved it and was excited, I also hated it. That's my birthday. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and so when he was about two weeks old, uh, we were down. We lived at the top of a cul-de-sac, and my mom was talking to someone. She was distracted. And whether I asked or not, um, I, I started pushing down up the big hill towards the top of our cul-de-sac in his stroller. And when I got to the top, I just looked down the hill and just let him go and watched him fly down this steep hill. And at the bottom of the hill, he was hit by a milk truck and flew out of his stroller and rolled underneath the milk truck. And of course, people are screaming, losing their minds. And here I am standing at the top of the hill, this little four-year-old, like, oh my God, what did I do? So confused, so many different emotions going on, not knowing how to process. Like it was such a traumatic moment. And he was fine physically. Mm. You know, and, and, and so it, luckily, um, but to be back in that moment and to recognize someone, 
many of these things I have around support came from that moment. And, and to be able to be in this group and talk about it and just have people around me and put their hands on me and, and, then, and then to be in this, this free fall practice and my amazing group just being like, do you want to support first? Do you want to fall? What do you want to do? And I locked eyes on the one man in my group that I hadn't even talked to yet, but I just felt him. And I was like, I want you to be my partner and we're going to support. Mm -hmm. And so one after another, we supported. And it was just this beautiful, just be in it. Feel all the emotions. Let it happen. Um, made such amazing bonds with people in this group, which is another bonus when you're just raw and real with people. Mm -hmm. And this is something we had shared of like, once you've had experiences like this, it's so hard to go back to surface level conversation, right. which is another really difficult thing about being in this work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? To reintegrate with yeah. everyday life afterwards. Yeah. To be around yeah. your family when yeah. they don't want to talk about mental health or what they're feeling or... Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and so in my breathwork experience after that, of course, that came up for me because it was in my mind and I got to process it yeah. and release it. I, I remember shooting up at one point and my hands reaching forward like I was holding the stroller and I just bawled, mm -hmm. just bawled and, and then let myself fall. You know, I didn't avoid it. There was no shame around it. It was just be in it, witness it, observe it, let myself have this human experience and then within, I don't know, a minute, two minutes, I'd laid back down and I just felt this release. And so, of course, that's something that still happened, but I didn't recognize how much trauma there was in that. This, this little four-year-old, you know, I can look back and be like, well, of course, she didn't know what she was doing. But that was still a huge moment for me and it was really confusing. Totally. Right? So I, I was just such a deep rich experience all of it i it's i'm just in love with this work and it's it's so quick how fat well i can't say that for me right now it's quick because i'm just in this unraveling yeah. process now where it just like memories are coming up and be like oh that's where that came from yeah breathe through it it's just like unravel 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 and i'm i'm not feeling as triggered i'm not as reactive i can be more present my relationship with my husband is better than ever. Yeah. I'm not avoiding him. Like keeping my eyes open, I can be with him. Mm. It's, Beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'm so grateful for you. Well, <laughs> likewise, and and I love that you kind of caught yourself there a little bit with like how rapid it can be. Yeah. Because it is indicative also of where you're at. Right. In your own process, and yeah. it's kind of it's, it's almost like it's time. So it's a really beautiful, supportive tool to aid that in coming through. But. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's it can still take time. Yeah. You know? yeah, I know plenty of people that move through 10, 20, 40, 50 breathwork sessions, whether in group or private, whatever it is, and mm -hmm. it's like a slow navigation unwinding. Mm -hmm. and, um, whereas some people, it's like they're ready to go. One session's like, like you said, like a year or more of therapy, potentially all in one shot. Yeah. Um, just because it's time, and and then the tool really facilitates the ease of that movement through yeah. that territory. Yeah, I'm just primed and ready for yeah. this. Yeah, so it feels, and I love it. It feels so good. Hmm. But it didn't before. Yeah, it was exhausting before. So that's, that is such a, depending on where you are in your journey and, and the tools you already have, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and as you said, too, it, it, it shows up differently for everybody, right? Like people, the way that this manifests for them or the way they express it can be vastly different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which... For me, that's the 
the reason why the training has become so much more expansive and so many different modules um, with the breathing technique itself is actually really simple. Mm. But the more I learned and the deeper I dove in with people, it became just so obvious that there's like, there's like an infinite myriad of experiences or a gamut. Like it's for, from person to person, it could change so much in the way that signatures of trauma exist within the person, the way they're presenting, the way they're navigating and building rapport or not. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, while the breath work is incredibly powerful, there's just so many nuances that we can learn to be um, in contact with to, mm -hmm. to be able to recognize and navigate that territory with people so that we can not only make it a more efficient process, but a safer process. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if somebody's in a really sensitive state, just driving into breath work and like breathing really hard as if you're going to change something can actually invigorate so much um, sensation and energy in the system mm -hmm. that... It can feel overwhelming again. Yeah. And, and overwhelming, I use the term overwhelming um, a little bit differently than some people might. Some people will have an intense experience and simply refer to it as overwhelming. Right. Yeah. And I kind of tease those apart in the sense that um, intense experiences aren't necessarily overwhelming for the nervous system to the point of like a shutdown or a reactive state. Like it's possible to have a very intense experience but still have space around it to be right. self-reflective yes. and to be curious about it. Mm -hmm. and so like a true overwhelm for me is where you just, you've lost that capacity to have space around it. Right. And you're becoming enmeshed with it. So you're becoming reactive as if something's really truly wrong in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, even though you're, you know, in breath work, resting on your back and, yeah. you know, for all intents and purposes, safe. Mm -hmm. Yet the energies that are building inside feel like when they hit that point of overwhelm, it's like this imminent danger all of a sudden comes back in, which is the signature of trauma. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, while I recognize it as as enlivening a trauma that already exists in the system and bringing it to the surface, mm -hmm. the person that's having that enlivened doesn't necessarily recognize that right off the top. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's and that's that edge for me. As long as we can stay on the side of curiosity and have space around it to explore it, we're good. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's really yeah. it. It's the ability to observe it and stay present with it. Yeah. And, and recognize that it's just, it's a sensation, it's a story, it's it's what's coming to the surface. Yeah. And you're more than that. Totally. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's really the, for me, the tension was, it was, it was so hard to get a, around this for me or even go deep in the first sessions two years ago because I was so attached and so over-identified with everything within me, mm. all of it. Yeah. And so I, I could, just didn't get it. I'm like, I don't know how to let this go. Like, I'm just so stuck. Yeah. But what a beautiful thing to become aware of as totally. well, right? Yeah. So it's whatever experience you have in it, that's perfect. That's yeah. exactly what you needed. Yeah. yeah. I really, <clears throat> more and more, I'm believing that the first incursion into remembering and recognizing that that's even laced into the system, that we have trauma there, mm -hmm. is it, very often it'll come with a little bit of like overdoing it mm. because we don't know where those edges are. Right. Right. And yeah. it's not until we've kind of gone past that edge that we can be like, oh, shit, Too there it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and but then then what do we do with it? How do we come back out of that territory and, and um, navigate around it more sensitively to refine our understanding of those edges and, mm -hmm. and maybe see new possibilities yeah. insights and, yeah. and let that energy move in a healthy way? Yeah. Yeah. Which is why the like the masculine side of this work of the structure and the tools, the physiology knowing your machine, knowing what to do in those moments is vital yeah. so that you can continue plunging, expanding in, in various directions while still feeling like you're connected to the process. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a beautiful 
flow of the two energies simultaneously. Yeah. You know, because even when you describe that in that moment of, you know, oh shit, too far. You know, I've experienced that all the time. And to be able to to pause and be like, now I'm in the experience of, of overwhelm or I've gone too far and not going into shame or I've done it wrong mm-hmm. or something's wrong because then we're just stacking on top right. of just what the experience is. Totally. Just be in the experience of going too far. Yeah. Know what that feels like and don't spiral yeah. from there. You know, and that's that's what I'm experiencing over and over by doing this breath work. 15 minutes every morning, 15 minutes every evening, which I'm not perfect. I've missed a few evenings. I'm so good in the morning. A little inconsistent in the evening. Um, and even in that, to be like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, when it first happened and I was laying on the couch, being like, I'm not going to be doing the breath work tonight. And and then noticing the initial tension around it of like, oh, I'm bad. Or like, mm. you know, I don't have enough discipline. And, yeah, and yeah. to be able to notice that and be like, interesting. Look at me judging myself. Like, why don't I just let that go and remind myself I'm human and I'm imperfect. And, you know, I'm, I'm way more likely to actually continue this process if I'm not adding in shame and judgment. Like, why would I continue if it's just an opportunity to beat myself up every time I'm not perfect? Yeah. 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 It's, these are skills we have to learn. Yeah. They definitely are. <laughs> yeah. 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 And in that way, like, moving through the trainings and, and offering this work to others, um, for me, <clears throat> having you know, previous experience with seeking a lot of different experiences in life and then getting to that point of, like, changing my experience isn't necessarily going to change things fundamentally for me. Yeah. Um, that's That has continued to play into how I'm presenting the breathwork in these explorations now, too, because essentially, um, like, you can come in and do a breathwork experience or um, exercise and have a novel experience. And sometimes they're dramatically novel experiences mm-hmm. and and potentially orgasmic novel experiences or potentially really painful novel experiences yeah. whatever it is it's like it could be anything yeah even a novel experience of being exceptionally bored yeah right? <laughs> and um and in the midst of that the the novel experience really um in my best case scenario it's, it's not the experience that is immediately important. It can have positive effects on the nervous system in the sense of helping one rest and repair. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, let's say if it's a novel new experience of actually enjoying oneself or like joy or whatever it is that's coming through, if somebody was previously chronically depressed for quite a number of years, that novel experience helps them remember that there's something more than just the depression. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, for me, that's just kind of a starting point because if we continually try and seek something that brings us joy, we've kind of identified with a particular type of experience that's more favorable favorable than what we have. Mm-hmm. And that seeking will keep us locked into actually a loop of suffering because we're chronically trying to achieve something that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Right? We're always trying to separate ourselves from this living moment. So while that novel experience was really good for opening up the space of going, yeah, I've got two different experiences going on one of depression, one of joy, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, the true medicine for me is like, can I move between them and and learn about how I maybe fasten myself or fixate on like a certain type of experience mm-hmm. or maybe an attempt to get away a certain from a certain type of experience and become really familiar with those nuances of my own um, attempts to fixate and then mm-hmm. continue to free up my attention so that I can just be with the experience I'm having. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. And... Um, and flexibly, like, continue to learn and grow from it and be curious about it, mm-hmm. trusting that it's going to change. Yeah. Right? When, when we're encountering something, something painful in our lives, 
the times that it gets truly insufferable is when we can't get our minds off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when it starts to take on that eternal feeling like this is always going to be the case. Yeah. And the system starts to become immobilized, fear, like fright comes into it. Um, yeah, so it's like, how do we, how do we unhook? Yeah. And start to begin, start to become spacious and, and mobile within our attention again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, it's a, it's like unmemorizing what's deeply habitual. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, even, even the seeking, you know, I, I can relate to that so much. And of course, that's why I've brought many seekers onto this podcast so far. Um, it just becomes a habit. Right. You're you're seeking something, which is great as a child. You're seeking something beautiful. But if you're just constantly seeking, then that becomes the habit versus ever getting this destination that you think is out there. So it's it's recognizing that, like, thank you, the seeker within me. Thank you. So grateful. And it's time for a new program because that's not actually getting me to where I need to be now. Yeah. Right. It's served a purpose. And now it's time to level up Mm -hmm. and just. Step back and like, if you try to teach, well, this is an assumption. I was going to say teaching this to a child of, you know, embracing the masculine and the feminine and, you know, to set goals, but don't be, don't like attach to your goals too much. Just trust. Actually, this probably would be great for children. <laughs> it can be for sure. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> I think uh, healthy attachment with a, a parent or a caregiver and a child is, is essentially doing the same thing mm-hmm. in the sense that if the child is um, in pain or or not feeling well, that the um, caregiver has the opportunity if they're not in a stressed and traumatized place where they're not able to access the that social engagement, mm-hmm. right? Right. And feel their own system. Yeah. Right. So if they're in, in that healthy place, they're able to actually resonate with that child and really get that the child's not feeling well and and um, not make it a big emergency, right? right? Mm-hmm. Which spins the child out as well, thinking mm-hmm. something's really wrong, mm-hmm. right? Um, but to like be there and to, to feel it and, and then to provide like nourishment and support and guidance and, and even just the, the trust that it's going to pass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it helps the child learn that when things are intense for me, it doesn't mean the end of the world. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not a life threat mm-hmm. and that something good can happen afterwards or even in the midst of. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that creates that same flexibility that I'm uh, referring to with regards to the breathwork practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, beautiful. Yeah, so it really is the, the polyvagal theory again, finding, yeah, yeah. finding the ventral vagal strength and tone, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, yeah, I love geeking out on the vagus nerve as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of that informs the, the work we're doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. which is why I'm so attracted to it. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's, um, I know you haven't asked, asked me this question, but um, I think that's part of what's informing the new directions, because... The ways a lot of the um, trainings that I originally went through and a lot of experiences I actually originally had were a lot around like having big experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, over the years, what that's turned into uh, are two different things. One is that, okay, the experience isn't primary. It's like, what am I doing with the experience? Mm-hmm. Like we were just talking about. Yeah. And, um, and the other is that, like, sometimes big experiences are re-traumatizing when mm-hmm. they're too much too fast again. Even if it was, something could be incredibly pleasurable and it could still be too much too fast for the nervous system mm-hmm. and, and leave one feeling uprooted or, or like, um, rattled yeah. in their system. Right. So how do we slow down and actually work healthily with um, a person's physiology and nervous system? Yeah. 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 It's like the patient unfolding versus 
yeah. forcing that flower. I'm like, open up. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And those defenses that somebody comes in with, uh, the way that they're managing their energy, those were in place for a very good reason at right. some point in time. Yeah. They're not to be shamed again as if they need to go away. Mm-hmm. Like, for me to coach somebody to just drop that shit and move on, like, because they can do something different, yeah. um, could be a, basically a slap in the face to the defensive systems. It's yeah. like, and which could, usually just fortifies them. Mm. So it's like, how do we befriend the defensive systems first? Yeah. And like building rapport with that child that's hurt and recognize that like that was actually needed. Yeah. Right? And that's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And then what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then just so many possibilities from there because you're moving from joy and love and curiosity to fear or fight or force. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, way easier to work with that type of energy. Totally. So, what is what does your practice look like in this? Do you do you have like weekly? You're doing your own like set a timer for one hour and and dive in with the conscious connected breath work, or or do you have someone that holds space for you to process? How do you do this work? I have a few peers that I periodically get sessions that I receive sessions from. Okay. Uh, of varying lengths. I mean, sometimes it's an hour long session. Sometimes we dive in for three or five hours at a time mm-hmm. and do extra long. Yep. journeys wow. um, so I receive sessions periodically like that um, I go through phases for my own practice like right now I'm on a daily kick mm-hmm. um, for the time being mm-hmm. um, but sometimes I'll kind of let it slide for a while and things are kind of right and nice and then all of a sudden something will flare up in life and it's like hey it's yep. time to get back on that yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, it's just it's a really sweet way even as a home practice to keep energy moving and to keep cleansing and, and organizing things mm-hmm. internally so, yeah totally yeah is how long do you do it at this point with the daily practice? What does that look like for you? Do you time it or is it just like just feel it and do as much as you want or need? Right now I'm doing about um, 50 minutes a day on a regular basis. But mm-hmm. sometimes that'll, um, uh, in the, when it turns into longer sessions, it's a little bit more spontaneous. But sometimes it gets up upwards of like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, kind of in those moments when I slip down the rabbit hole and all mm-hmm. of a sudden deeper processes are unfolding and naturally going with that yeah 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 it's interesting to be able to from my experience with it what i'm noticing is you know of course my mind still wanders but i i'm catching it quicker and it's like i'm still right i'm still so present versus sometimes in meditation you know my mind wanders and then it it takes a little bit more time to to get back into the moment but because of this the breath work i just feel like it's holding me yeah so when i venture off and i'm like whoops we're like, thank you, and then just come back, and I'm right back into it. Totally. So it's yeah. it's kind of holding me in this elevation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just love it. <laughs> I'm glad you love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's such a pleasure to share with people. I, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the breathwork, like anything, like plant medicines or or like specific techniques for psychological practices, it's it's a tool, mm-hmm. and and albeit I find it a very potent tool, but it's a tool, and um, more than anything, it's. Um, the reason why I feel blessed to be offering it is because it allows me to commune with others in really rich and deep ways. And I find that the medicine is really in that communion more than the breath work itself. Yeah. The mm-hmm. breath work is the the focal point technique wise that brings us together maybe in common interests. But yeah. then like what happens is much more than just that. Yeah. yeah. I definitely Especially in group. Yeah, I can reflect that a hundred percent. Yeah, the community that comes together and shares and is just so open and vulnerable and they're in it together. There's there's medicine in yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I'm I'm curious um if you'd be open to to doing a little example of a dyad. Sure, yeah. Yeah. 
Dyads are um, something that we often add in with the breathwork as a complementary tool to mm-hmm. synthesize with the breathwork, and it's a great way to explore particular um, topics mm-hmm. to uh, dive into uh, specific um, contemplations, specific themes that we might carry into the breathwork. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and also the practice of um, holding space for the other person instead of going into a reactionary. Oh, let me give you some advice on that, or let me fix this for you. Let me make you a little more comfortable by distracting you or sharing my experience. There, we take that off the table. Yeah, like taking off these these coping, these compensations that we often do to make ourselves more comfortable. Right, and to just be with the human in front of us mm-hmm. and just listen. Yeah, which is my favorite part. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I just get to witness you in your glory, mm. and and get this reciprocal high-quality question passed back and forth and just hold space for each other. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to see how difficult it is for many people. I'll speak for myself. First time I did this, I was like, ugh, this is the worst. Right. I didn't like it. It made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. And now I love it. I absolutely love it. So it's like it's my a little favorite. bit addictive. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling uh, like I'm, I've been playing with ways that I can try to bring this into different relationships actually and even some of the people i've stayed in contact with from our our workshop when you know just through um, communication something will come up and they'll be like oh we should die out on that like it's just become this fun little thing that we can continue sharing together so right on yeah i just love it so the the concept that i've been really curious with um is surrender Mm -hmm. part of it being through our experience in the last um um training was we we did a lot of dieting on what is it to let go um what is falling and surrender just feels like that's obviously such a part of that complex mix yeah. going on there um and i and i talk about surrender a lot and it, i just for me it's you know anytime i notice i'm using a word a lot it just becomes like okay well what let's i need to dive into this word Right. I need to really figure out what I mean and the different ways I can use it. So every time I, I speak to it, there's a depth yeah. in that word and there's a vibration behind it. And I've just been feeling like I'm I'm not quite there with surrender. Like I, I get it and I, I think I know how to do it, but to, to have a little bit more depth in my ability to explain it or even to feel it throughout yeah. the day, yeah. I would love that. Yeah, and <clears throat> if I could tangentially work off of that too, yeah. um, while diets can be done with like any word or any topic, um, I find them really fruitful for those kind of keywords that have been tossed around fairly liberally within like spiritual teachings and mm. within psychological teachings, mm-hmm. um, something like surrender. Um, because part of them, such as surrender and trust, love, faith, all these things, mm-hmm. um, compassion, freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that there's within within some of the spiritual teachings i would say that these are like essential elements of what and who we are or aspects of what and who we are mm-hmm. like it's there's something beyond just our like um you know oxford dictionary definition of surrender mm-hmm. something more there than that mm-hmm. right so for a dyad for me it is one way to kind of redefine things mm. um well at first, it's like even getting clear on what my definition is. Yeah, the surface level. Surface level. Yeah. Then the next level down is like redefine. Mm-hmm. It's like by hearing other people's responses, by contemplating for myself for a while, it's like I'm reconfiguring and understanding at a deeper level. Yeah. And a broader level, like what this even is. Yeah. 
And then at a certain point in time, though, like when it, technically if we sat for the next four or five days and just did surrender over and over again, at some point in time, we're going to thoroughly run out of anything to say about it. Mm-hmm. You know? And at that point in time, um, and I mentioned this in the training too that you were at, it's like that, that ends up being the gateway that's actually the true beginning. Mm-hmm. Because at that point in time, we get into undefining things mm-hmm. and to the point of leaving ourselves raw and available to a direct experience of surrender that has no conceivable definition that we previously knew. Yeah, okay. Right? Nothing, no no prior form that we could have fitted into. We have yeah. like the raw, direct experience of surrender itself. Yes, right? okay. That will often be hard to put words around afterwards. Yeah. Because it's like brand new territory that we're like reconfiguring into. Yeah, a new experience of it every single time. Yeah. So it's like taking it out of the box of the definition yeah. and allowing it to become the free-flowing energy that it is so that we can just experience it in raw form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just do this for the next five days. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Run it. I don't know if anybody's ever done a five-day podcast before, yeah. but here we go. We, yeah, here we go. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we we can name for like 10 minutes? Sure. Yeah. Give or take. Well, I've got a clock there, so I actually can watch. Um, okay, do you want, so let's frame the question. How okay. do you want to start with the, I invite you to surrender and then ask the question or what, what comes yeah. up for you? I guess so the, um, the listener has, if, in case they haven't done dyad work before, dyad means the power of two. Right, thank um, you. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so it's the name of the practice, but it, it essentially means that two people are sitting together in this case and um, contemplating a particular topic. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's as simple as asking, um, Tell me what surrender is. Mm-hmm. And after I ask the question, let's say to Marin, then Marin is um, sitting with that. Mm-hmm. To feel it. Right. To mm-hmm. feel into, to, it, it could be at the level of thinking, it could be at the level of emotions, right. memories, yeah. um, images may come around surrender, mm-hmm. right? Feeling states, emotional states, sensations, like it could be anything, mm-hmm. right? The, the way that you're perceiving this moment and, and sitting across from me, it's like, something there might be triggering it too as far as a connection to what surrender is yeah uh and then and then Marin's essentially sharing what's up for her around surrender and what that is and then i'm simply saying i'm simply listening until she's complete and then offering a thank you mm-hmm. and then the questions repeated the other direction we just keep going back and forth yeah yeah um so that'd be kind of a bare bones version but i think today we're going to do i invite you to surrender mm-hmm. which is inviting in for the other person, the possibility of that just happening mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. you know, magically. Yeah. <laughs> and in the midst of that, then, um, you know, whoever's contemplating surrender and like sitting with it is going to give a nod when they are um, tapped into surrender. And mm-hmm. we're going to ask, tell me what's happening. Yeah. And uh, see what the response is, which yeah. is basically just a report on whatever the experience is that's arising around surrender. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Do you want to receive or ask first? Hmm. Do you mind if I ask first? Not at all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I invite you to surrender. Tell me what's happening. I I felt my body just let go and melt into the chair a little bit more. Uh, the visual in my mind was just darkness all around, 
and just resting into the darkness. Thank you. I invite you to surrender. Tell me what's happening. An experience of what previously was a bit of confined attention towards towards you and the conversation and the topic. Um, almost like it had like banks to the, the river that was really moving that energy in one particular way. Mm-hmm. Like over a few moments of sitting and surrender, it's those banks softened to the point where all of a sudden it was like, and still is... Um, recognition of like the background noise of the offices outside people chatting and and, like the currents and flows in my body and it became much more um, oceanic and uh, it was like drifts in the waters of different sounds and feelings that were coming through my field of attention as the energy was yeah more tidal and oceanic rather than directed like a river back and forth towards one another or around the topic thank you I invite you to surrender. (sighs) Tell me what's happening. I became aware of the visual behind my eyelids. behind you now I see why it started as um, pillars of light there's some pillars behind you um, but at the backs of my eyelids it was pure light that looked very structured and as I just witnessed them and kept breathing they started to expand and mix together and coalesce and just start shifting in, in different directions so it became a free-flowing movement in terms of a visual that I just got to witness and observe. Um, I also was aware of an impulse to control the visual and turn it into something and and noticing that and then stepping back into just watch the free flow. And so I just continued to move the way that wanted to move. Thank you. I invite you to surrender. Tell me what's happening. <clears throat> the banks came off again, mm-hmm. right? Um, that one was, was interesting because it's like in the midst of the um, 
um, feels of sensations and sounds and everything that's kind of washing through. It's almost like a um, uh, there's an experience of like just a little part of me kind of checking out little bits of the data and like listening to a voice for a moment. But it was like inside the ocean. It didn't feel like I was confined to that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Like that was just transpiring in the midst of this wash of energy and sensations and whatnot. And checking out like a sensation, even kind of trying to turn back on itself as far as like that that one that was kind of hypervigilantly checking out little bits of the information to see if it was important or not. Mm. Um, yeah, so to summarize that, it's almost like this um, um, reducing down of an experience of like mild hypervigilance in the midst of a wash of just open ocean mm. and like having that as a segregated little tiny experience that was transpiring in the midst of space. Hmm. Thank you. invite you to surrender. Tell me what's happening. So my first experience in the invitation to surrender was a, an effort of let me find surrender. Um, and within a few moments, uh, this recognition of I'm, I'm in it now. And I was in it before. I don't need to find it. And it, um, I just could experience, I was feeling sensations from my body, especially in my hands of vibration feeling very connected in touch with this room, with you, with all the different energy and tethers that are sounds and sights and smells and, and just feeling my breath like an oscillation moving the tethers. So it's a, I, f- I feel very supported, yet there's no effort is thank you I invite you to surrender Oceans, it was almost molten in a way that it was kind of surging and moving up through my face and, and bringing a little bit of a smile and a, what it felt like to be a brightness in my eyes and a bit of a smile behind my eyes. And um, the feeling, uh, the feeling of 
freedom and the sense that the, the experience was doing itself. And even in these words, it's like, um, even in the stutters, right? Like it's seeking to complete itself on its own right. It's coming through less and less uh, filtration. Experience itself is uh, alive and communicating. Thank you. Present too, in the midst of that, it's like the entire environment is getting brighter and lighter and uh, losing its substantiality. you to surrender. Tell me what's happening. And I'm, uh, I'm noticing that my initial, not even right away, there's um, a softness that takes over and this invitation of just opening. And then a part of me comes up of, uh, again, that piece of control or making, trying to make it mean something right away, trying to go to words right away. And, and again, noticing that. And then stepping back into just open and don't try to find words yet. And in doing that, I experienced my whole body. You could feel my whole body in space. And in the parts of me that are not touching a chair, I, I felt um, support or uh, connection. I just felt connected to, to everything around me. Not much of a difference between physical connection of this chair that I'm seated on versus just the space that's holding me around my body. Uh, and yeah, the, the the feeling of an oceanic wave, this the more I soften into it, the more there's this powerful force of pulsation and oscillation that it just like even right now, I just feel like I just want to move. I just want to. Rock side to side, feel my rib cage, move my pelvis, like just feel the waves moving through me. And as I speak to it and as I move a little bit more, I lose <laughs> the connection to that uh, deep surrendering power that is there that just holds me and moves me. Thank you. I invite you to surrender.
and tell me what's happening. It was uh, similar to a couple uh, years ago. Um, in the midst of that oceanic space, and the narrowing down again of that little aspect of self that is kind of seeking experience and trying to do something about it and watching the edge of almost like my attempt to define surrender has to do with either being preoccupied with that little aspect or like almost like a little subset of myself. Uh, a subset of this mind-body configuration that wants to seek out and do something about something. So I could like literally, it was this experience of like this little like essence of self inside kind of seeking and looking at particular things and almost like this question of like grip, no grip and like kind of surrendering off of that and coming back to it and then surrendering off and coming back to it as being like a, kind of a, an apparent relative action of surrender, but then the broader surrender of like the ocean is already surrounding the whole thing and it was all transpiring spontaneously. So it's like surrender was happening in two different ways at the same time for me because one of them felt relative and like to do with some sense of like governance or control over it, whereas the other one was just surrendered in the case. Mm-hmm. And there's the fact that it's it's already happening. Thank you. We'll do one more round. Okay. I invite you to surrender. Lots of sensation in my body. Um, I first just drop down into my pelvis. You can just feel lots of sensation. And then the mind came in. And again, the, you know, grasp, to grasp onto it, try to describe it. Uh, and I suddenly, I just felt my jaw tighten up. Just immense tension, not a lot of tension, but enough to feel the subtle tension of just moving into my jaw. And and so again, the stepping away from structure and words and just back into, okay, breathing in, just get back into it and feel my heartbeat. And then again, just this connection down from heart to pelvis and just feeling the oscillations of my breath and my body. And noticing as well the part of me wanting like this epiphany something big something different and recognizing that and then just back into my breath back to simple just breathe just oscillate and just the immense amount of of freedom and pleasure there is when I just let go and feel my body as it wants to be felt right now thank you
invite you to surrender. time yeah very different than the other times it was um, an experience of surrender surrendering this apparent body sitting over here an expression of self as being witnessed by another viewed perceived by another felt by another and just making myself or allowing myself to be completely available to that Even though it didn't really feel like a dismantling of any like walls or big things, it was like a sense, real quick, super quick sense of surrendering. I didn't need to like filter you seeing me in any particular way, perceiving me in any particular way. Just here I am. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So I'm curious. You may already be heading this direction with the conversation, but I'm curious, knowing that we did that for, what, 10 minutes? Uh, whoops. Or more. <laughs> well, closer to 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, 18, 19, yeah. If you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marin, I'm, I'm curious how you feel after that. Mm. Yeah, like what has that uh, kind of done for you? How are you experiencing yourself right now compared to when we started? Yeah, great question. Um, I feel, how do I feel? I feel very open. I feel much more connected to you. I I don't feel as much of a, um, you know, I was very connected to you before we sat down, but there was more of like, I'm coming in from my day, you're coming in from your day and asking questions and engaging and, you know, watching body language. And, um, and now I, I don't feel like there's anything in between us. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very grounded, very open, um, very heart, heartfelt connection to this moment and to you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Good work. Yeah. What are you noticing in yourself right now? I'm, yeah, much more at ease. Um, the formality, and, and part of it maybe is also knowing that we're coming more towards a close of podcast, <laughs> yeah. but there's like this, this letting down in the system of being relaxed and expanded, uh, and things are still like brighter and more vivid for me, and, and um, a sense of yeah, much less of like two bodies sitting across from one another, like speaking together, to the point of like we're here just as like one expression that's kind of seemingly communicating to itself. Mm. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, So good. All right. So I only have a couple more questions for you. Okay. Um, We'll start with this one. Um, Well, I guess two-parted question. If there's anything left unsaid for you, anything that you want to add, any threads that you feel need to be picked up to feel complete, um, but also an opportunity for you to share where people can find you. Mm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, off the top of my head and 
from inside of my heart right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a sense of incomplete, so I think we're good that way. Great. Um, uh, if people are curious about uh, what I'm offering here around the city and around Canada, um, uh, they can find information on the breathwork at uh, numasomatics.com, N-U-M-A-S-O-M-A-T-I-C-S, numasomatics.com. Um, and that's for the trainings, but they can also locate me through that for, um, I do private sessions and I offer, um, group experiences in a variety of ways, uh, in Calgary and other cities around Canada. So, um, yeah, that'd probably be the best way to get a hold of me. Great. Yeah. The, um, the trainings themselves, especially the level one is open to anybody. They don't have to be interested in, uh, facilitating the breath work to come and participate and, and reap the benefits of sitting with themselves and with a really loving community for a few days and mm -hmm. diving into some interesting questions and having some unique experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then for those who want to do the facilitator training, level one is a prerequisite. Yes. And it, then there's a bit of a process to continue. Yeah. Yeah. A few things that need to be completed to continue. It's not, it's not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and for, there are other types of breathwork trainings out there and so if somebody is actually approaching the trainings coming in with prior experience then sometimes I allow people to um, bypass level one as well and come right into level two uh -huh. if previous experience is appropriate yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. and I highly re recommend level one I'm doing it three times before I step into level two <laughs> I love it's it. that much fun it is <laughs> So good. Right yeah, I've got a, a funny uh, definition of fun, though. I'm, I'm told when I say it's fun, people are like, oh, no. <laughs> I think you and I are similar in that yeah. way. Totally. Uh, so my final question for you is around cannabis. Okay. I'm curious to hear, um, you know, you've talked a little bit about plant medicine, and obviously you've experienced that, and cannabis is a part of plant medicine. Yeah. Um, do you do you use cannabis? Do you do you have a history with it? Do you have an opinion on it? Where are you at when it comes to cannabis? Mm. Um, I have used it periodically over the years, but not very much. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been uh, a plant of choice for me mm -hmm. so much. Um, um, when I've used or worked worked with plants to explore, I've tended more towards. Uh, types of like psychedelic medicines mm -hmm. as ways to um, open up my connection with reality and explore it in really curious ways. Mm -hmm. um, um, cannabis is, it kind of depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people it actually seems to be fruitful for relaxing the system and allowing them to um, uh, restore, um, which is an important part of the healing side of things for humans and just being able to actually like um, rest in their own nervous systems mm -hmm. and rest their bodies. Um, the one catch for a chunk of people out there, you know, I don't know what the percentage is that are working with cannabis is it can um, dull connectivity to the emotional body. Mm -hmm. um, it can for a number of people be um, separating from the body. Uh, especially if there's high THC content where it can be very like heady or, or kind of witness place or kind of up and out type um, perspective mm -hmm. as opposed to being again in the body and working through the emotional structures. So in the sense of like combining it with something like breath work or for therapeutic reasons, I wouldn't 
myself necessarily um, suggest it for most people. Mm -hmm. Just because with the breath work, we're really, even though people can have quite um, uh, shifted experiences of like journeying and being outside of their body in interesting ways, um, visionary states and other types of experiences, for the most part and for most people, the breath work is very imminent. It's very much about being in the body and connected to the, the flows of energy and the emotionality of the body, the feeling states. Mm -hmm. um, so cannabis can run contrary to that at times. Um, so it can be a little bit counterproductive potentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That was a great description, actually. Yeah. Um, the reason why I ask is uh, cannabis has been a big part of my healing journey mm. and also playing with, oh, that was too much. And, you know, yeah. am I using this to avoid? Am I using this to cope? Am I right. using this as sacred ceremony? Um, I've done it all. Uh, and it's something that I um, I do have a much better relationship with now and um, know when it's okay to use it and when I need to actually just be with myself. Yeah. It's a continual practice, of course. Um, but I had this idea as part of this podcast is to have – episodes with the people that I'm speaking with, having conversations with, and also do another episode where we ingest a little bit of cannabis and then have another conversation. Yeah. And part of it is to help with the education piece of even what you just shared so people can check in like, oh, how does it land for me? Mm -hmm. And that we can overdo and underdo absolutely anything. Yeah. So this is not about let's get blasted and then just like see what happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Yeah. Um, but for recording to to do it in a in a healthy ceremonious way and and just be able to see how the conversation shifts because of a, a little bit of substance in the system. Yeah, I appreciate your curiosity to explore yeah. <laughs> or in exploring. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Right on. Yeah. So is that something you'd be open to doing with me? Um. Potentially, let me sit with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like, yeah, I don't mind cannabis, but it's not really necessarily been my um, medicine of choice over the over the years. So mm -hmm. let me sit with that. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well, and, and what I offered to, uh, I believe, it was Alice as well, is that I'm I'm not stuck on cannabis. If you want to do like microdose psilocybin or or introduce me to something that I've never done before. Um, I am also very open to exploring outside of cannabis. So whatever, this is something we can take offline and, and find something that feels good to both of us. And uh, we'll take it from there. Okay. We'll, we'll see what the universe maybe uh, manifests yes. along the way. Yes. So, Wonderful. Yeah. Obviously that, um, yeah, gets into tender territories with regards to society and whatnot mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i'm definitely pushing yeah. the envelope a little yeah. bit with this we, we might have to do our podcast down in peru where it's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey okay yeah. <laughs> live from peru yeah yeah yeah, nice. yeah. we'll yeah. we'll stay um, in conversation around this and and see what comes up and this is why at this point it's still an idea um this is part of my practice of being gentle and and working with with energy, working with the universe, working with the people I'm, I'm in conversation with instead of saying like, this is the way it's gonna be. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't know the way that it's gonna be. I just am very curious and I'm very open and I I like to put the question out there to see what happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Great, me okay. too. All right, well, thank you, Trevor. I really appreciate your time and your energy and your wisdom and so look forward to 
years of learning from you. Uh, it's going to be a fun journey. Yes. So thank you. Happy to share it with you. And thank you, everybody, whoever's listening. Yeah, so. you made it this far. Good job. Gold star. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, Dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.